I'm going to start on the floor this morning, and uh, next week I might be back up, but I wanted you to be sure that you had opportunity to get a good look at uh, the platform today, because I'm going to be using this for the next month to communicate to you a new series that I want to do in the month of October that I've entitled, Are You Living in a Haunted House? You may say to yourself, well, I don't think so. But we may be sharing a couple of things that might make you take another examination at some of the things that may be happening and that you never connected with regards to what may be happening in your life, in your home, and in your circumstances. October is Halloween month. You may not know this, but Halloween has actually become the second most celebrated holiday behind Christmas. It is, it is venerated in ways that are far more, uh, far more incredible than probably when, when we were young, those of you that were my age. I mean, when, when, when we were of my age, it, it just seemed like there was an innocency to it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in my opinion, this is just my humble opinion, there are far more occultic overtones that are associated uh, with this. Uh, it has become... An incredible holiday with regards to just adults and, and kids, and it, it's just, it's just. Uh, it, can I just say you 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 need to really pray about that one. All right, you pray about it. I'm not talking about Halloween per se, but I am talking about this month since there tends to be a focus on it. What the enemy is doing in our homes, and hopefully, with what we've done, will be an attention grabber for you. And cause you to really consider what's going on on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully you'll do something about it. I want to just say um, thanks. We won't be doing this every week, but I'll do it just off the bat. I know that uh, Noah Pruitt, Tyler Baird, uh, Kyle Levitt, uh, Jessica Jagger, Zach was part of it. I saw Ryan up here. There may be people, Kyle. I said Kyle. Anyway, a, lo- a lot of the young people. Noah's young, a young person, aren't you, Noah? Where are you? Yeah, yeah, Noah wants to be a young person, so. so we appreciate all of them uh, helping me pull all of this together. Um, I'm going to throw some statistics on the screen, and you can write these down, maybe it may be of interest to you, if not, I just want you to begin to be aware of some things that are going on in the American family today. Guys, just kind of run with me here as we go. 11% of violence that takes place in America is family related. Keep going. 22% of murders occur in the family. Do you realize that's almost a quarter of all murders that take place in America take place within the immediate family? Of the 500,000 people that are in state prisons, 15% were violent crimes somehow in the middle of an immediate family. Of those kids who are now without dads, Statistics tell us that they will be 63% of all youth suicides. They are 90% of all runaways. And 85% of all the behavioral problems happen with kids who do not have dads in the house. Divorce. 50% of all first marriages are going to end up in a divorce court. 67% of all second marriages will be there. And 74% of all third marriages. Seems like some, there's a trend happening there, doesn't it? With divorce. 54% of Americans say that they have a stress-related problem. 
2.2 million people are diagnosed as schizophrenic. For those of you that don't know what schizophrenia is, it's a multiple personality disorder. They can literally, they can literally disengage from who they normally are and begin to move into a whole nother person, a whole nother being. 35%, I thought this was interesting, of males, believe it or not, have an eating disorder. Now, I would have thought it was females, and females are far higher than 35%, but that can give you an idea of just how much of that is going on out beyond those glass doors. 18 million adults uh, have clinical depression, we are told. 50% of depressed kids have parents who are depressed. 14 million Americans abuse now, underline, abuse alcohol. 50% of Americans have at least one close relative who abuses alcohol. Two million people over the age of 65 are abused by someone they depend on for protection. Ten million kids see domestic violence in their homes. Now, that's on a daily basis. 21% of women report rape in a lifetime And that is not counting all the unreported incidents. 15 uh, to 17 young people a day, get that now, that's every day will die by the use of a firearm. 17% of high school students carry a weapon to school. 31% of women will say they are abused by either a husband or a boyfriend. Three women die every day by violence in their own house. Give me the last screen. Something is wrong. Something's wrong. I was hitting websites, and I'm telling you, I could, I could spend all morning just throwing statistics out at you that would absolutely boggle your mind, and it would cause you to really be discouraged and depressed by what's going on in the American household. It is more than just a breakdown of our economic system. It's more than a breakdown of our culture. Folks, it's more than just having a wrong administration in the White House or getting the right one in. It's more than just really a lack of general morals and virtue. These things may have their place, but I believe it is way more sinister than that. Something, or maybe better said, someone has gotten into our homes. My question is, are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? In just a moment, I'm going to play you a clip off a DVD that around our house, it's one of our, fa- our, favorite, our favorite old movies. It's an old Don Knotts movie. I, I thought originally it might have been Disney, but it was Universal. But it was one of those harmless old 19, mid-1960 movies called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Anybody ever see Don Knotts in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken? That's just one of our favorite movies. And, and just to set it up a little bit, because I was trying to find clips that would be appropriate to play in the house of God with regards to haunted houses. I didn't think Freddy Krueger would probably go over well, nor did I think Jason would probably be that great nor Michael Myers. Anything that has to do with this arena in our current age is so blatantly occultic and blatantly over the top that I said, what can I do to help pull people's attention into what I'm trying to communicate? So I remembered this, this old mid-1960 film who, who starred Don Knotts as this wannabe news reporter 
who is sure he has seen ghosts after sleeping in an old haunted house that was there in the town. By the way, it was in Rachel, Kansas. See, it just kind of rang something in my heart. The house was apparently the scene of a murder years earlier. And of course, it had been boarded up and everything had, uh, 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 you know, been overrun by cobwebs and all the things that you would associate with an old, old haunted type house. It had all kinds of colorful stories that had associated with it through the years. And so as a wannabe news reporter, he spent a night in this old haunted house and all these weird things began to happen. And he came out and he started to talk about all these weird things that were happening in this house. And, and the, the current owner, who was uh, one of the grandsons of the person who supposedly was in this murder scene, wanted to tear the house down. And, and because of all the stories, he was... He was being stopped from tearing it down and because of everything that Don Knotts, whose character actually is a man by the name of Luther Heggs, everything Luther was saying he considered to be slander and so he's, he's suing Luther in order to be able to tear down this old haunted house and they finally get to court and there's this funny courtroom scene that illustrates some things that I want to share with you this morning. So guys, you can turn down the lights if you would please. And watch the screen overhead. Well, you, uh, you lodge women, you just sit down and keep seated. All right, Charlie, swear in the witness. Now put your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand, please. You swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, God. I do. Be seated. All right, Mr. Whitlow. <laughs> your, uh, <clears throat> your full name is Luther Higgs, is that correct? Yes, sir. Do you mind if I call you Luther? I'm fine. Well, relax, son. Oh, I am. I'll try not to keep you on the stand any longer than is necessary, Luther. Oh, I don't mind. It's all part of the game. What game is that? The, the newspaper game. Oh, I see. You really love the newspaper game, don't you, Luther? Oh, I sure do. I guess if you cut me, I'd bleed ink. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Thank you. You certainly have a flair for turning a colorful phrase, Luther. Oh, <laughs> Well, when you work with words, words are your work. Bravo. <laughs> yes, I expect you learn a good deal about words down there in that typesetting room. Oh, I'm just filling in time in the typesetting room. Oh, I see. You'd do anything to become a full-time reporter. Is that correct? Well, sure. Who wouldn't? After all, a chance comes Including along. exaggerating and fabricating, Don't eh? Don't be a fool to pass the... What? I'm asking you a question, Higgs. Can't you curb your imagination for one minute? Can't you curb your tongue for a minute? Attaboy, Luther! <laughs> Quiet down. Isn't it true, Higgs, that you were offered a full-time job as a reporter if you brought back a sensational story from that house? A story which, in truth, you made up out of your own head. No, that's not true. I saw those things. Yes, yes. I heard those things. He heard those things. Those church bells rang. <laughs> Some of you huskies back there, pick her up on me. Get her out under the 
tree or something. Keep her head up. Keep her feet up. Keep her head higher than her feet. something right now. I don't know whether I believe in ghosts or not. Many the night I've talked about this with my missus, but I do know there's only one way of finding out if there's something going on in that Simmons place. This court hereby orders the jury and interested parties to meet here in front of this courthouse at 11.30 tonight. And we're going down to the Simmons house and see for ourselves. Courts adjourned. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a funny movie. But the character of Don Knotts, Luther Heggs, is sure he's sure that he's seen a ghost. But there are many, as obviously is epitomized by the lawyer, that who who are just not sure. There are some like me who are convinced the spiritual realm is not only real but it's very often overlooked or even ignored. And my concern, not only this morning, but it's going to be all of this month, really is not ghosts and apparitions, but rather my concern is the devil and his cohorts who are seeking to destroy your home and destroy your life. Many people live in a haunted house, not the kind that Hollywood portrays, but the kind the Bible portrays. When the enemy is allowed to enter in and bring havoc. And it is time that we kicked the enemy out of our houses and out of our homes and we got the power of God back in. And so this whole month we're going to talk about exactly that. And my, my introductory lesson this morning is what I've entitled Clearly Seeing the Spiritual. Clearly Seeing the Spiritual. If you have your Bibles, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning with verse 3. And then I'm going to move over to Ephesians. So you may want to go ahead and get your finger placed in the book of Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3. This is what Paul writes. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, remembering that, we can flip over to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read just verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now we could read a number of other passages that would underscore what I'm trying to communicate, but this, I think, probably sums it up the best. Paul is writing to the church. He's not writing to the world, he's writing to two churches. He's writing to a church at Corinth, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he's writing to these people at these churches who are having great challenges. They're having challenges in the culture. They're having challenges in their homes. They're having challenges in their families. They're having challenges in their own personal lives. In, uh, in the city of Ephesus, 
Both of these cities, Corinth and Ephesus, were greatly, greatly affected by the Greek culture and Greek philosophy and unfortunately Greek morality. But in Ephesus, there was this great temple. It was called the Temple of Diana. And it was a pagan temple that had pagan prostitutes associated with it. And they would come and they would practice all sorts of of perverted and outlandish things in order to do their pagan pagan worship. And, And all of these things were beginning to encroach and have influence and begin to leaven even in the people of God. He writes to Timothy who was pastoring the church at Ephesus and he talked to him about the characterlessness of leadership and he talked to them about people who were selfish and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and how they would have unnatural affection one towards another and he did his best to communicate to them all the stresses and challenges that were coming to them as the people of God and then here in Corinth he was addressing them on a couple different occasions now remember in Corinth, this is what I always like to remind people of, is that these folks were practicing spiritual gifts. They were practicing the things of the Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were moving in the Spirit. They understood the concepts of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. They understood the power of God. They understood these things incredibly. But the problem was that despite the fact they had these overt happenings taking place which seem to resemble the holy spirit he says as he's talking to the corinthians he says i got wind of this that you're sleeping around in church and not only that you're sleeping around with one another he says but you're actually within families sleeping with each other can you imagine he actually says these things ought not be so he says you're greedy you're fleshly You won't wait on one another. When your love feasts come around, you're being rude. You're not exercising love. He goes on through these great lists. And hear me, people. He's not talking about your neighbor. He's talking about the people who were going to church. Folks, the world doesn't stand a chance if the people who are going to church don't begin to get lives together and begin to function as God intended. All of this was in the community of faith. And the key, Paul writes, is is that you aren't seeing where this is coming from. You don't understand the origin of where all these challenges are coming from. Paul said, your problem really isn't so much with each other. That's how it's manifesting. But he says, your problem is not with flesh and blood. Your problem is satanic in origin. Your problem is you don't see the spirit realm. You don't see... And, and, and are able to make connections with the spirit realm and how it's beginning to affect your very lives, your very circumstances, and what's happening in you even as a believer. Now, we'll talk more about this in the days ahead. But it, Paul didn't say that the world wrestles with the enemy. He says, for we wrestle not. They aren't in a wrestling match out there. They've already thrown in the towel and raised the white flag and given up. It's, it's only us who say we love God and those of us who say we've accepted Jesus. It's us who are in the wrestling match. America has very similar problems and challenges. Our culture resembles a lot of the craziness that you would see at Ephesus and in Corinth. And folks, we're just not talking about the Jerry Springer crowd. We're talking about the people of God. Now you can see that we've created all through here these tombstones. You'll see tombstones of stress and alcohol and 
strife and control and gossip and shame and what's that one say right down there in the front there? Doubt and up here we have pride and fear, vanity, lust and drugs and and I, I suppose there could be hundreds of other tombstones that we could have erected in order to to demonstrate to you that these are some of the things that are taking place right now in American homes and it's killing us. It's driving us to an early grave. It's actually sucking the life out out of our very existence. It's sucking the life out of marriages and families and relationships. And if we don't learn where the origin of these battles and things are happening, folks, we'll never win the battle. If you can't identify your enemy, you'll have a hard time fighting them. It's haunting our homes. It's haunting our lives. And you've got to understand that the reason you've got this unusual stress level happening in your house, it's not just to mess you up, it's to kill you. The reason... The reason you see uh, gossip and shame and these things aren't here just to sort of cause you to trip up every now and then and say, oh, I need to do better. It's here to kill you. Strife and control and doubt and alcohol and drugs and pride and fear and, and lust. It all is here to kill you. Can you hear that from me? The enemy isn't just trying to trip you up and give you a hard time. He's just not this guy that hangs around just to just to gig you and just sort of make life a little miserable, you got to understand that your enemy is out to kill you. To kill you. He doesn't walk up with a pitchfork and red horns and a long tail and somehow he says, I'm the devil. That's not how he comes. The Bible says he'll come even as an angel of light. But his ultimate plan is to destroy you and to destroy your home. Folks, counseling has its place. I counsel people. Tracy counsels people. I know our connect leaders counsel people. I know that there are Christians who will call each other up and counseling will take place over phone lines and input will be given into our lives. Pastors will stand up and counsel from the pulpit and preach messages that are counseling in nature. All of these things certainly have their place, for the Bible tells us that there's wisdom in counsel and that counseling does have a place in people's lives. But it's interesting that statistically only a small percentage really ever go get help. To be candid, I'm beginning to see that our real problem starts with our inability to see and give credence to the fact that there's a spiritual realm and the devil is a part of it and he's haunting our homes. We aren't going to counsel the devil out. You can't counsel the devil out of your house. You've got to drive the devil out of your house. You can counsel a few character issues. You can counsel a part of that which you need to apply in order to help your relationships. There are certain things you can counsel, but there comes a moment when you understand spiritually what's going on and you arise after seeing it and you can implement some things and you drive that joker out. 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 It may be funny on a Don Knotts movie, but it's no laughing matter when it's your household. So let's understand accurately, accurately the spiritual realm. The world has a belief in another dimension. I know that to be true. You can watch Oprah. Oprah 
will tell you that she has a belief in another dimension. You'll hear people all the time say that they're a spiritual person. What does that mean? They're a spiritual person. Well, what does that mean? You could be one with a tree. You could have a spiritual moment, you know, with a bar stool. I mean, I mean, what does being spiritual mean? Unfortunately, spiritual has been forged by Hollywood's misconceptions and errors. Most of us, most of us get all of our spiritual knowledge by watching movies that aren't anywhere near the truth. I uh, know that many of you through the years, you may have adjusted your, your movie intake through the years, but many of you will know just by virtue of the names I'm giving to you, certain movies that have sort of been uh, uh, impressed upon our, our psyche in the culture. You remember Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Ghostb- Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. I mean, we all know the song, don't we? But isn't it interesting that along come these Ghostbusters, and again, we're going to touch on some of this. You know what a ghost is? I'll just tell you what a ghost is. A ghost is a familiar spirit. It's a demon, actually. Somebody said, I saw, I saw my dear departed grandmother one time appeared to me. That was a familiar spirit. But here you have Ghostbusters, and they're running around New York City with their technology zapping ghosts. It's interesting that very tacitly what Hollywood communicates to us is, is that if we just get more technologically astute, we could handle the ghosts in our life. It's a lie. You can get all the technology you want. In fact, many of us are, have technology up to our eyebrows, and it doesn't stop what's going on in our homes. The Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. Jason, Michael Myers, all of these, they they were all addressed supposedly by psychotherapy. If we just get psychotherapy, more psychotherapy, just just tie them up, put them in a crazy house, a a, a lunacy asylum, and, and we'll be fine. Folks, you can't tie up a demon long. Recently, there have been things like the mummy who by ancient Egyptian curse comes alive and therefore you must put a curse into place in order to to get it to go away even the pirates of the caribbean was dealt with by voodoo isn't it odd that nowhere in all of this do you ever see that god christ or the cross or the blood could even be considered with dealing with all these supernatural aberrations there's a conspiracy that runs deeper here than just through studio writers there's a conspiracy of the enemy The enemy is trying to keep this culture blind to the fact that the only thing that will stop him is the blood of Christ, his cross, and the power of God. That's the only thing that will stop the enemy. If you keep thinking it'll stop some other way, he won't stop. He is unmoved by anything you may do. You can stir a cauldron, say a curse. You can get your technology. You can do all sorts of things, but it won't stop him until you understand The spirit realm and how the spirit realm works. The enemy wants to keep us in the dark about how to drive him out of our circumstances in life. And a lot of what the American family faces will not be solved by the means communicated to us through the movies. What we face is spiritual at its root, but the answer isn't the silliness that we see. The answer is also not going to arrive by ignoring the spiritual dimension. There are some people, they'll go to all those sorts of movies and, 
and, and, and, and they'll watch them and then they'll listen to me and they'll say, ah, I don't even take that stuff seriously. I don't believe that stuff even exists. Well, you just keep saying that and I'll guarantee you, you're going to come to an awakening one day. You may ignore it. You may not think it's, it's even applicable. You may not believe it or you may be like some Christians who just want to fly beneath the radar. I'm just going to kind of keep my head down and maybe the enemy won't look at me. Well, before this is over this month, I intend to change your mind or renew your mind to the truth, to the reality and to the answers to what we all face. You can't ignore it, man. It's happening. I gave you the statistics. You can try to ignore the devil, but that doesn't stop his assignment of walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you cannot accurately address what you refuse to see or to believe. You cannot deal with that which you don't want to understand or put your arms around. Now, there may be folks that say, well, pastor, you think we ought to talk about this on a Sunday morning? Yes. I think it's the prime time. I'm not going to keep it to the middle of the week where I get about a quarter of the folk here and maybe help them. We need to begin to talk about this on Sunday morning because the root of this is based in the spiritual. Why not talk about it on Sunday morning? Truth of the matter is, there's some of you, maybe a lot of you, before you even got to church this morning, this morning had some stresses and some challenges and some fusses and some things going on just because you were trying to get to church. So we might as well talk about it. I mean, he fights you on Sunday morning. Why don't we fight back on Sunday morning? The world is bold about celebrating evil. The world is bold about the darkness and and, and walking and participating in darkness. We need to be bold about confronting it. We need to be bold about giving answers and solutions to it. Ignoring it. Being sensitive to everyone isn't going to fix your problem. So we've got to begin to accurately understand there's a spirit realm. And this spirit realm is best addressed by the church. Now, let me give you some indicators of that. And again, this is just our opening message. We're going we're gonna to dig into this all month long. But there are indicators of the reality of the spiritual realm. The realm of the spirit, I will be the first to admit to you, is subjective. I mean, the spirit realm. Many people don't realize this, but the spirit realm isn't somewhere up there. We sort of have this idea, you know, heaven's kind of up there and hell's down there. And and so we sort of have developed sort of a a geographical way of of trying to identify the spirit realm. The spirit realm isn't really like up, down. It's, It's like another dimension. Are you with me? The spirit realm is a dimension that that is in this dimension as well, but but you just can't see it. It's, it's, as if, it's as if it's a shadow. I can't, I can't get my hand on it. I can't get my hand around it. But it's there. It's there. I can't, and I can't prove uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you are a skeptic, that uh, 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 a spirit realm exists. I do believe there are some indicators of that. But you need to just understand up front that, that if you are... If you are so haughty as to think that this dimension is all that there can be, then I think you have, you have put yourself in a corner that's very limited. I believe there's a lot more 
to life. I believe there's a lot more to this universe than just what we see, taste, and feel. You see, the spirit realm cannot be accessed by your natural senses. So you cannot taste it, you cannot touch it, you cannot smell it, you cannot feel it, and with your natural eyes you cannot see it in the conventional sense. But you need to begin to just get this thought in your system that everything in life isn't always accessed by our five senses. That's what people want you to think. If you can't deal with it within your five senses, then it must not be so. So if you are bound by your senses, then all you will ever have is the power of your humanity. If all you've got is my senses, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep my feet firmly planted in this dimension. If I can't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, um, smell it, then you know what? That's, then it's, it's not for me. Then all you've got is what the resource you have as an individual human being. And I'm just telling you, go back to the statistics. It, it isn't happening real well right now. In fact, my favorite phrase is, how's it been working for you? It's happening in the homes here. That's not, that's not guilt producing. I'm not pointing anything out. I'm not trying to condemn in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying it is time to identify that something here beyond the natural is going on. And if you begin to see and believe that there are spiritual roots to issues that you're facing in life, then I can offer you hope because there are spiritual answers and there is the power of God that will move in these circumstances. I want to give you five quick indicators. Write them down. Of a spiritual realm, five indicators that a spiritual realm exists. Number one, the Bible teaches us that it exists. The Bible teaches us it exists. If you consider the Bible to be your final authority, if you consider the Bible to be where you find principles by which you will base your life on, that it's your authority, and and, and you say, whatever the Bible says, I'll stick with, and I'm here to tell you, It says that there's another realm besides the one you're living in. There are way too many stories in the Bible for me to even cover this morning. There are too many accounts of the spirit realm splashing over into this realm to even begin to list them. I I just have to read the thing cover to cover for you. Now, if you don't believe the Bible to be true, you're already in a real tough position because when I give you the answers, this is where the answer is. This is where we will derive the insight as to what can I do to fix what's been going on in my life. The Bible teaches us that there's another realm, and within these pages we will find solutions. Solutions to your stress. Solutions to addictions. Solutions to strife and control and gossip and doubt and pride and fear and lust and drugs and a thousand other things that are going on in homes today. There are answers in this book. But you've got to begin to believe this whole thing exists. Otherwise, you'll never, you'll never find the victory that only God can bring in your life. So the Bible teaches us that. Number two, it's an indicator, I think, that the spiritual realm exists. The reality of coincidence. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I'll just evaluate life. And, and there are too many times in life that the timing of events and circumstances occur in such an unusual way that statistically for me, it's an indicator that another realm is affecting this one. 
Now, I know some people go, I just think it's a coincidence. Well, then you just live that way. You just live the way you want to live, and we'll figure out here in a decade or so who comes out all right. But I believe that coincidence is an indicator that somehow or another, there's another realm affecting this realm. Call me crazy, but I believe I've interacted with angels at opportune moments. You say, really, did they come with like a white thing and and wings? No. No, The Bible doesn't say that's seraphim and cherubim, sure, but there are other angels. Hebrew writer said that there have been times that we've entertained guests unaware that we were actually entertaining angels. So my assumption is they would look a lot like me, hopefully a little more hair, but maybe. But if it's true that we have the ability at times to interact with angels, then it must also be true that if devils are fallen angels, then maybe we would be interacting with them on occasion. There have been strategic moments that I have been both blessed and I have been attacked that are far more than coincidental. I mean, think about the timing of certain attacks that you would define attacks in your life. Think about the timing of certain incidences that take place. Is it not interesting that the timing of certain things seem to be so opportune? Why would that be? Well, perhaps... There are entities in another realm that have opportunity to watch your life and how it unfolds. And they can be ever so good at the timing of being able to wreak havoc in your life. I believe that's just an indicator of a spiritual realm, coincidence. Number three, I believe another indicator is feelings or emotions that exist outside of the natural senses. What do I mean by that? For instance, why is it all of a sudden we fear when there's nothing empirically around us that would lead us to that place of fear? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that can happen around us that won't solicit fear, but there are times that things emotionally can happen that all of a sudden we're seized with a certain emotion. What that, what that basically is is what I call speculation. Everybody understand what speculation is? Speculation is when you begin to imagine something in your mind and you don't have the facts. You don't have anything uh, outwardly, naturally, empirically that would lead you to the conclusion of what you are speculating. But yet there's this speculation that's going on inside of you and that speculation is churning around that's leading you to a place of great fear but yet there's nothing nothing around you that would really normally bring you to that place. Now can I just say that's out of your five senses region, isn't it? But yet that happens and I dare say it's probably happened to all of us. Why is it that jealousy comes into the equation when there's really nothing to be jealous about? What about envy? anger i mean i won't even ask you to raise your hand anybody here get anger or have watched anger take place when there's really nothing to get angry about what about rage and lust where does it come from how was that generated i believe there are forces in this dimension that have astutely learned how to manipulate us as human beings that can cause us to be moved to a place of being oppressed or somehow being 
hindered or bound, and they lead us to this place with such, with such astute ability. They can do that when there's nothing natural around us that would normally get us there. I just believe that's an indicator that something more is going on. Number four, there's the testimony of others. We've all heard testimonies, and I realize those are subjective, but what do you do with millions of people? What do you do with millions and millions of people? You understand we're talking millions. It's amazing how just a few people will see a UFO and everybody believes it. My Lord, just a few people have seen Sasquatch. Bigfoot. And they'll create a whole governmental agency to go research the Sasquatch. But millions of people have testified to out-of-body experiences. Do you know there's actually a cardiologist who has brought people on numerous occasions back, back from the dead by zapping them, you know, paddling the heart once it stops. And he's actually written a book about, about his patients and what they'll say immediately when they come back out of that state. And it's interesting. He says the ones that have a more blissful experience and that's the ones we all hear about and the reason they have a blissful experience and then they have this blissful experience and the reason they tend to remember it and that tends to be the ones that continue to be transmitted is because it's been such a a a wonderful experience there was no fear there was peacefulness etc but he says you've not heard all the testimonies there are some who come back where it's not nearly as blissful that they come back and it was tormenting and dark and lonely and yet they knew they were in another dimension and they forget that quickly because it's too horrific to the natural mind to even consider that that would even be out there what you and i would know as hell or separation from god so we have these testimonies people see things that are beyond the natural realm you cannot dismiss millions of people who have these kinds of testimonies i was listening the other day uh, to Bill Maher. If, if, if you've never heard Bill Maher, don't. He's got this movie out. It's just silly. I mean, can I, I'm just going to say this a little rabbit trail I'm going to go on here. He went out, the, what, religious, what's it called? Religious? Religion. Not something about religion. So what, you know what he does is he takes his camera and he straps it on uh, a back and he's got a microphone and he catches people, Christian people, off guard and begins to ask them questions. Just snaps i always find it interesting how they never want they never want to have a conversation with somebody who can really answer them and has thought those things all throughout it's amazing to me it happens in college too by the way all the college kids here it's amazing to me how professors have their phds and they always want to beat up on college freshmen call me in Better yet, if you're, so, if you're so good at it, why don't you come out of your classroom and why don't we both sit up here on this stage and we'll just do it in front, and you can, you, can, you can do it in front of a whole church and show everybody how smart and bright you are. But they won't do it. Why is it? Well, we'll talk about atmosphere later. It's because they control their atmosphere. There's an atmosphere to doubt. There's an atmosphere to skepticism. And so here you got Bill Maher running around, and he's interviewing all these people, snap, snap, snap. And sure, sure, they they look kind of silly, they look funny, they look goofy. And then he comes on, and he's convinced, he says, that religion is a corporate neurosis. 
that millions of people are neurotic. And out of this neurosis, we've generated religion. Well, this is, this is I know that's his viewpoint of, of Christianity. My viewpoint of Bill Maher is this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He's a fool. That's not me, that's God. The testimony of others. And finally, number five, an indicator of the spirit realm is your own personal torments. Everyone in this room has experienced thoughts, emotions, even actions that have seemed to have a life of their own. Perhaps you would have defined it uh, uncontrollable, that somehow or another this, this thought or this emotion came to you and, and it was uncontrollable. It just, it just took you over. You were, it was out of character. It really wasn't your character, but it just took you over. And it led you to a destructive place. Maybe it fractured a relationship. Maybe it, maybe it caused a difficulty in a job situation. Maybe, maybe there was some other uh, repercussion. But, but somehow or another, this, this emotion came and it just had this, this life of its own. Where did that come from? Where did it originate? How did it get here? I, I think that there's a spirit realm that's affecting you and me. And some of your issues will only be resolved when you finally admit that there is a spiritual dimension to what you are facing. Listen to me. I I believe if you need support groups, support groups are important. Go there. I believe if you need counseling, counseling has its place. You may need to go there. I believe there are times people need to even be medicated. I've got really no personal problem with that either. And there's a place that that can be identified and you can go there. But if you don't recognize the spirit realm, all you'll be doing by taking your Prozac is knocking out a devil when he can go from your life. And then we'll deal with the habits that were birthed out of that activity. We will deal with the issues that sprung out of all of those sorts of things. Then we can counsel when you're in your right mind. When Jesus met the demoniac called Legion on the shores of Gadara, and he ran up, and the Bible says that he was naked. How many of you know there's a problem right there? If you're running around a graveyard naked, we may have some issues. So here's this dude, he runs up in a graveyard naked to Jesus, screaming out of his mind, says he has legions of demons, which means he had at least 6,000 inside of him. That's what a legion is. Said that he'd been crying out night and day, cutting himself with stones, the Bible says, literally trying to kill himself. His dysfunctionality had led him to the place of suicide. Listen to me, that is where everything leads. He wasn't just bipolar. He was devil oppressed. And when he came in, Jesus didn't say tie him up tighter with the chains. Because the Bible says that he had broken through the chains. He had supernatural strength when he got into this, he got into this area, this, this demoniac. And he did, Jesus didn't say tie him up tighter. Come on, take him with us. We'll counsel him along the way. Come on, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure out if he was toilet trained poorly. And he had a bad experience with his parents. Because they couldn't get him toilet trained in time. Or somehow or another he had, he had some other, you know, trauma. Now, did he have traumas? Probably. 
The trauma was simply an open door, though, for the enemy to come in. It wasn't figuring out that he had a trauma. It was figuring out who got in through the trauma. And here we have this guy in Jesus. Jesus just didn't soothe it. He just didn't massage it. He just didn't finesse it. Jesus said, come out of him, you devil. He was free, the Bible says. He was in his right mind. He got some clothes on. Glory to God. Got out of the graveyard. Went to Greek cities called Decapolis. Began to preach the gospel. It's because they identified, Jesus identified the spirit realm. Some of your issues will only be resolved when you finally admit that there is a spiritual dimension to what you are facing. Again, I'm not getting rid of everything. Everything else has its place. But if we don't get the spiritual thing fixed, you won't get fixed. If you don't, if you, you can go get, you can get thousands of hours of counseling. Is it not true? There are people right now, we love them, we love people. Now, I'm really, I, we're doing pretty good in our congregation. I'm talking about folks, other places, all around, within your scope of influence. But is it not true? You know people that have been going and getting counseling for years. years spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And they ain't much better than the day they went in. You want to say, how's that working? Maybe there's another dimension to this. I am coming to the conclusion. It's a simple, but it's revelational. Listen to me very carefully. Physicians and health professionals are very, very good at what they do. And the arena of which they have been given given knowledge and some authority they do a, a great job in because they're acquainted with that. Engineers, lawyers, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, I mean, whatever, whatever realm of professional interaction that a person may have with other people, they are all good at what they do. And, and I think all those things have a place at the table and in our life. But listen to me, I'm talking to the church this morning. This is the church this morning. It is time that the church embraced what it is good at. There is no one else that can deal with the devil except us. There is no one else that really has authority to access that realm except us. There is no one else that Jesus has commissioned in order to step into and fight the enemy and reverse his evil agenda in the earth except us. It is time us rose up and did what us is good at. And that is driving the enemy out of people's lives, out of their houses, out of their homes, and getting the power of God back in. And that will not happen until we clearly see what is really real. And I'm going to end with this. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a great story here it's a story about how the syrians are once again surrounding israel and about ready to attack israel and uh, there's a young man that's kind of shook up about what's fixing to take place now listen to this second king six verse eight it says now the king of syria was making war against israel and he consulted with his servants saying my camp will be in such and such a place now you got to understand he's already figuring out where he's going to set up camp because he's coming in and He's pretty confident he's going to win. 
And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. In other words, Elisha is getting words of knowledge concerning what's being said in the enemy's camp. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he's in Dothan. That's not Alabama, by the way, either. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear. Listen, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I like that story because, listen to me, an enemy had surrounded the Israelites. An enemy perhaps has surrounded you. He surrounded your home. He surrounded your circumstances. Oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? The enemy has surrounded us. What do we do? And interesting, Elisha, Elisha didn't jump straight to the prayer that says, give us a miracle. The first thing he prayed was this, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. Before we can get to winning battles, the first thing that has to happen in your life and in my life is that our eyes get open to see into another realm. You need to see what's going on. You need to understand that the battle that's taking place right now for the heart and soul of our nation is not between two political parties. The battle for the heart and soul of our nation is between, really, God's people and the forces of darkness. We aren't, we aren't going to beat this by just voting someone new into the White House. You understand that, don't you? Have you finally reached the place that I've reached that it really doesn't matter who you put in there? You're going you're gonna to face issues that people in high places will disappoint you. So we're not going to somehow win the battle by just simply getting someone else in the White House. And now I believe we ought to put the best person in the White House, and we all have our opinions as to who that might be. But the bottom line is this. It doesn't really matter to me at what point a person gets in there. If we don't intercede and believe that the heart of the king is in the Lord's hands, and if we don't understand that the battle we are facing is not against flesh and blood, then it doesn't matter really who wins. We've got to see what's going on. You've got to see what's going on in your household. You've got to see what's going on in your life. Your problem isn't that you just make more money at work if you keep being sapped from your resources. It could be that a spirit of poverty is over your life and that needs to be broken first. Your problem isn't that your wife or your husband, whichever one you are oppositely, is the problem in your relationship. It could well be that there's an enemy at work that's oppressing that relationship, and until you get a hold of that and you begin, and do you understand, wars aren't won in two minutes. 
I mean, if you got in the battle and you began to intercede and you fought for some time for some stuff, let me tell you, the enemy just, just doesn't all of a sudden go, oh, oh, he prayed for 60 seconds, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. The enemy looks and he may step back when he hears the name of Jesus and then the blood gets applied and he'll step back and he'll just say, we'll, we'll just see how serious they are. Let's see if they'll really close that door. Let's see if they'll really walk with God. Let's see, let's see if the hedge remains or let's see if their back door is still open. You got to get into the hunt, man. This is a life and death struggle. American households are under a spell. It can't be broken and reversed until we first see what's going on. Clearly, clearly seeing the spiritual. Hallelujah. Stand with me, will you please? Thank you, Lord. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work with you in your seats this morning. Lord, do I have enough, uh, enough time? Can you guys slip your singers and your musicians and just uh, do the, uh, the worshiping song? I'm going to worship you and get that cued. Right now. I want every head bowed, unless you're a musician or you're a singer. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you just to hang tough with me now for just another few moments. This is the most amazing thing if your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. It's amazing to me how you can be in a position in the natural of not being able to see anything, but spiritually, it may be the first time in your life you can really start to see. It's closing your natural eyes and saying, Lord, help me see. Help me see what's really real. Help me see what's really going on. Help me see the roots of the conflicts. Help me see, Lord, the origin of the challenges and the struggles. Help me to see that I can't beat this thing, pulling myself up one more time by my own bootstraps or one more time turning over a new leaf. Lord, you're going to have to help me see that I, I am battling devils. Now listen to me. They want you to walk in fear. Here's the good news. The good news is this, God hath not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to give you the tools you need to no longer fear the enemy. But you're going to have to stay in the battle and stay in the hunt and begin to say, I want to know the end of this story. And that's why we're going to take all month because I want to spend a little time on this. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing you have to do is you got to get Jesus in your equation, in your life, in your circumstance. It should be self-evident, but, but if you've never asked Jesus into your life, he is the eye-opener. Jesus is the one that opens up a man's, woman's eyes to see. You can't see until he's invited in your life. When he comes in, he opens up our eyes. He opens up our ears. We see like we've never seen. We hear like we've never heard. He's got to be, he's got to be the, the number one thing in your life. And can I just say this? If there's unconfessed and unresolved sin in your life, sin becomes a clouding factor. Sin becomes the static on your radio. 
Sin becomes the darkness or the blindness in your life that, that you don't see right. You, you, you aren't processing right. So you can, you can say you know Jesus, but, but really there's unresolved, unforgiven, uncleansed sin in your life. And it's still causing you to be as darkened as your unsaved friends. Don't, don't, and, and you know, I've watched this before in people's lives. They say, well, I, I, I accepted the Lord, but I, I'm no better than my heathen friend. Well, of course not, because you didn't repent and resolve the sin. And, but if you'll do that, it's amazing what can begin to happen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want anyone looking around. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, Lord, work in people's hearts and lives. You're wanting them to be successful. You're wanting them to have a quality of life that Jesus promised when he said, I came to give life and that more abundantly. And yet, Lord, so many people aren't living abundantly. And the enemy has fooled us. And Lord, it is time we call the enemy what he is, a deceiver and a liar. And it is time to embrace all that you are, a revealer and a helper and a stand alongside one. So Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit himself would begin to move through this congregation. And Lord, if there are people right now that have unresolved sin, what I mean by unresolved is, is that it's never been confessed. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's... that's uh, the qualificating, qualifications of that is that you just got to confess. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, you're right. I'm nailed. This is what I did. And I'm sorry. I turned from it. And he is eager to cleanse you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right now. If that's you, just lift your hand right now and just say, I need, I need to get some sin issues. There's one, two, three, four tons of hands. See, they're going up now. There's a lot of hands. Put them down now. Thank you. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want all of us to pray right now. I want you just to join me, congregation. Join us right now in a prayer. I want you to say this out loud with me. Say, Dear Jesus, you got me. I have unresolved, unconfessed sin in my life. It needs cleansed. I confess it to you. And I believe your word that as I repent and I turn and I change my mind, your word says cleansing comes and you'll clear up my eyesight, my spiritual eyes to see again what you see. Thank you for restoring. Thank you for giving me that relationship with you, I receive it with, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is what I want you to do right now. I, I, I mean this right now because we're going to do one more thing before we go. If you lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer, I want you just to reach over to the person that you're next to. If you don't know them, I think it'd be all the better. If you do know them, maybe that would be good. But just look at them and say, I prayed that prayer and I'm, I'm making a stand. Just, you can whisper it to him. Come on, you, you've got to tell someone about it. You've got to tell someone about it. Tell, I said, I prayed that prayer. I mean it this time. 
I'm making my stand before man, and I want you to know I prayed that prayer. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now one last time, Lord, right now we're just going to sing and worship you. We're going to worship you, Lord. There are people here this morning that are standing in their own personal graveyards. And the only way we're going to get out of them is when we get in contact with you. The only way the the haunted house is going to be changed is when we get in contact with you. So Lord, we're reaching out to you right now. We're going to worship you. And we're going to leave the house of God. A house of peace. A house of joy. A house of hope. We're going to leave this house today. And we're going to begin to export what happens here and import it into our homes and into our lives in the name of Jesus we're going to begin to worship you Lord and draw you into our circumstance Lord we're going to draw you who are a part of the unseen realm as well you're going to be drawn into our life this morning before we go and we're going to worship you for just a few moments to begin to open our eyes and to open our hearts and to see like we've never seen before can we do that? say amen Let's begin to worship God. Just begin to worship God. Bless the Lord. Take this offering that I bring. Humbly I fall on my knees to proclaim your Where's 
Worship the Lord. Eyes are beginning to open. Eyes are opening. Eyes are opening. We're beginning to see. Oh, we're beginning to see. Let me see. Let me see. Just begin to worship. Come on, don't get distracted, man. Just God's beginning to let people see. For the Lord would say, a broken and a contrite spirit I do not despise. You may have thought you just repeated a prayer again today that you've said before, but there has been a breaking in the heavenlies. There has been a breaking over lives this day that will never be the same. There have been serious, serious work done in my house this day. The Lord says, and I will not despise that. I will honor that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Mm, 
touch your, touch your natural eyes for a moment. Oh, let us see, oh God. Let us see, oh God. Mm. Oh God. Mm. There's an anointing to break the blindness. There's an anointing to break the blindness right now. There's an anointing to break the deafness right now. I'm telling you right now, there's a, there's a physical healing coming to a natural eye. Just as a residual work of God opening up spiritual eyes. It's a sign of the kingdom. It's a sign of the kingdom. Come on, pull something out that you normally wouldn't have been able to read and take a look at it. And you're going to see that your eyes have been cleared up. Oh, we're not ashamed of We're not ashamed of We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of We're not ashamed of We're not ashamed I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. Oh, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. Here I am. Isaiah who said and I saw the Lord and I saw the Lord see that's the good part of the equation is as you begin to discern and see what's going on in the spirit realm around you with regards to the strategies and the tactics of the enemy here's the good news you can also see the Lord high and lifted up high and lifted up so Lord thanks for giving us that perspective this day that Lord we're not to be ignorant concerning the wiles of the enemy but the bottom line is you, you are the one alone who is high and lifted up nobody, nobody larger, greater higher, more powerful than you oh God and Lord when we magnify and when we see you it puts into perspective everything else. There is nothing, there is, there is nothing, Lord, that is, so, that, is, that, is, that is so overcoming or powerful that, Lord, you cannot break and you cannot defeat. There is nothing, nothing 
nothing. 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 No, no tombstone with our name on it, Lord, can, can drag us down. Nothing. Nothing. Forgive us for being ignorant. Forgive us for being unknowing, Lord. Forgive us for the times we go through life and we live so far beneath where we're able. Lord, I pray now that you'll just indelibly etch it into the hearts of your people that right now greater are you that lives in them greater are you that lives in them than he that lives in the world greater are you right now than that strife greater are you right now than that shame and the gossip and the control and the doubt and the addictions and the stress and the pride and the fear and the lust and the drugs. Greater are you, O oh God, not even in the same ballpark. Not even in the same ballpark. Greater are you. Help us to see. Lord, we'll only go by faith as far as we've been able to see. So Lord, my prayer has been, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. And Lord, give us the empowerment so that our will would easily implement all that you have available for us. Bless your people, Lord, as we are released from this place. We sense your presence. We sense your power. Lord, this is, this is just the first step to where you want to take us, I believe, this month. This month, Lord, you're taking us somewhere. Someplace that we've never been powerfully before. I believe you're going to rearrange and change lives. We're standing on that this day. We're getting a glimpse of that this day. And we honor you for it. In Jesus' name. And now can we give the Lord the biggest hand clap of all and let's bless him. And we will honor him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Don't forget now this week, ladies, do your connect group thing. Guys, you get a week off. Wednesday night, no class, but we're meeting again on the Lord's Day. Sunday, bring a friend. It's going to be great next week. We're going to keep talking about how to drive the enemy out of our house. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on the Lord's Day.